0: My name is Lexi Stein and I'm currently a senior at Horace Mann School, located in Riverdale, Bronx. Growing up, I was always interested in the science of nutrition. Nutrition is vital for the mental and physical health of all individuals. Unfortunately, there are a myriad of social, political, and economic factors that conspire to prevent certain people from accessing the basic resources they need in order to survive and flourish. Perhaps the most insidious of these factors is access or lack thereof. This harsh reality is the basis of my independent study to understand the intricacies of food accessibility, such as demographics, geography, poverty, and population density. What started out as a school year long independent study has become a true passion and brought me here. Welcome to Food Fight, advocating for better nutrition for all individuals. On this podcast, I hope to speak with guests about many matters, including access based on socioeconomic means, the distance to food stores, what are those food stores, is it a convenience store, or is it a huge supermarket with tons of fresh produce, the prices of these products, and knowledge about nutrition, what should individuals be searching for, how much should they proportion their plates, and how advertisements can exploit viewers to vie for these ultra processed unhealthy foods. I additionally will be speaking with formerly incarcerated individuals about their experiences inside the walls with food and how they lobbied for better nutritional options, whether that was because of religious reasons or dietary restrictions that they needed other foods offered. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy. Hello, today I'll be interviewing John Griffin. Mr. Griffin is a formerly incarcerated individual who will be sharing insights about his time inside the walls and how he would lobby for more adequate nutrition or nutritional alternatives. The menu prior to each meal?
1: Yes, they, they definitely give you a menu and you can see the options. It's pretty much three options. One is for dietary meal, one is regular, and one is alternative diet. And the average meal for that day would be like spaghetti or kind of pasta and a vegetable, green vegetable, a couple of pieces of chopped up fruit and um, eight ounce of juice or water.
0: And by alternative dietary meal option, who, like what type of individual would that be suited for? Like um, because of an illness or because of a religious
1: need. Religious. Alternative diet came about um, through a lawsuit. The lawsuit was predominantly about the lack of religious uh, meals for Muslim, for Rastafarian, and for um, men who were following the 5% nation, and anyone who did not eat pork. So it was a soy-based meal. Got it. And because it's soy, everyone can eat it. Okay. So across the board its so across the board it was for everyone except Jewish.
0: And then with the meal that you explained before, how is the portion so like in comparison the vegetables and fruit to the pasta dish?
1: Okay the portion is a, a very small portion They have to ration it out um, <laughs> between, between ounces or spoons. If it's rice it's like a, a bowl all in a half shaved. Um, a standard size bowl would probably be eight ounces, maybe.
0: Got it. And then, and, oh, sorry, continue. Yes. Um. And then, did other incarcerated individuals talk about food and issues with the dietary options? Like, would they complain about the timing, the selection, or even the type of food?
1: Yes. Yes. In each facility oh. had what they call inmate liaison committee and these are representatives who speak on their behalf to department of nutrition to the superintendent security program administration every level and it goes to the central office to the commissioner and his team where they can review if there are any facilities that have similar issues if not then it gets just denied or it's not really looked at
0: got it and then how you spoke a little bit about the initiative for religious dietary needs and creating an alternative meal. How many individuals did it take for that change to occur?
1: Well, it takes, uh, it started from a lawsuit and you need approximately, it could be three people, it could be five, it could be 10 people on a lawsuit. And what happens is they make it where it's retroactive, where every facility will have to follow the same guidelines. So you can start with five people to initiate the compl- or you need four people to start a complaint called a grievance. So all these four people or three people, and once that's processed, then you can file a lawsuit. And then every facility will have either the benefits or the down side of the uh, ruling of the dietary law. Got
0: it. Okay. So and then you spoke about the alternatives if it's because of a religion, but would yes. there be alternatives if someone chose to be a vegetarian or vegan? I guess they could just use the religious supplement because that's a soy-based meal. Um, what about yes. people with, like, diabetes or high blood pressure? Would that be something that was focused on when it came to their meals?
1: Yes, that is the third category. And that category is, is, is considered, it's called diet. What diet does it, is those who are... Who can't eat like certain food, like I just mentioned, whether it's diabetes or they have hypertension, so they would have a diet that is accommodated to their particular situation. If it's diabetes, then they would give them one slice of wheat bread. They would give them chicken that has its skin removed, or they give them a hamburger or a piece of fish that has um it's not it's unbreaded and unseasoned. The same thing for um, individuals who have hypertension or high blood pressure, the same thing. It would be no sodium or low sodium diet. Uh,
0: Got it. And regardless which type of meal individuals chose to eat, did you think that um, your peers or you, did you feel satisfied after meals or were you still very hungry waiting for the next meal?
1: Very hungry. They give you a small, to give you enough just to pretty much survive to the next, uh, to the next meal. The meals are very unsatisfactory. Most of the time, the meals do not have seasoning because they want to make sure that the food they give is not uh, medically offensive to anyone's medical situation who may not have had a chance to go to the doctor and say, "Hey, listen, I'm a diabetic," or have hypertension. They may not. may have not had a chance to see the doctor to initiate this. So what happens is they make sure the food, whether it's pasta or if it's rice, majority of the time has no seasoning or if it is a rice with some kind of seasoning, it'd be like a rice diablo with a beef mixed in with it and some tomato sauce or red sauce to give it coloring. But normally they don't put any type of seasoning in it.
0: Got it. And given your religion, what were the foods that you were restricted to? And would there, well, you already spoke about the supplementary options.
1: Right, right. But they also had, um, like once a week, they would have what they call halal halal meals. It was spelled H-A-L-A-A-L. And what that means is anyone who is registered as Muslim is allowed to take the alternative mm-hmm. Which would be halal it could be a chicken patty or it could be chicken. Most of the time it's chicken patty because it was it's accessible and it's easy to purchase throughout the state budget. So most of the time it was a chicken patty or a quarter leg chicken, chicken or thigh. But um, because they didn't really follow the rule, whoever wanted it can get it.
0: Got it. Okay. And then, was there a specific moment when you felt that your dietary needs were being ignored, specifically maybe like during Ramadan? Would they fit in times for meals at times that you weren't fasting?
1: Ramadan, we had more control over it because we used our own money. We used money from fundraising. And with that money, we purchased the items that we would like to buy. Like We can buy chicken, we can buy fish, we can buy lamb, we can buy goat from the vendors that are departmental uh approved so ramadan is not wasn't really an issue unless um the community didn't have any money the smaller the community is the less money they have and the less opportunity they have to get more halal food but the larger community the more opportunity you have to buy the own food that you want for Ramadan. ramadan is a special menu created by Central Office, but they allow you to make adjustments and to tweak the menu as long as you can re- replace it or reschedule. For example, Friday may be chicken and rice, and two of them may be spaghetti and it may be uh, green, green beans. So you want to switch the two because you want to make one meal more heavier than the other. So you would switch the rice with the fish and the spaghetti with the chicken. And then you add like sauce or beans or other vegetables to that. So you're allowed to adjust the menu.
0: Got it. That's interesting that they allow you to have that um, decision making.
1: It's, it's money making for them. You'll be buying from them.
0: Yeah. Um, so can you elaborate on the committee that you were a part of that lobbied for food justice inside the walls? And yes. Yeah what inspired you to start petitioning for more adequate food
1: because when i saw the conditions of the environment that i was in and i saw that a lot of the men were more inter- were more concerned with getting out uh, of prison and fighting the courts they thought about food but their main focus was trying to get out of prison so they can have the food they want and be with their family or whatever else they wanted in life for me, before I was uh, incarcerated, I didn't eat many of those different type of foods. I restrict myself to maybe just fish and chicken, but mostly just chicken. So when there was liver, and when there was other meals that, uh, that had meat in it that I didn't want to eat what I didn't like, and I got a feel about what was being said, I heard conversations. And because it impacted me myself, I so, said, well, how can we change this? So I heard of a committee that is called a liaison committee. And this committee, they take all these complaints. They take all these ideas. And they canvas and survey the population of the men. And they ask them, like, what is the problem? How do you feel about this food? If it can be changed, what would you, how could you change it? So we gather all these ideas. And each housing unit has approximately a set number of people that, that there are living there. And what you do is you you pretty much tell them that, listen, I'm running to be a committee member under the inmate liaison committee and all your concerns and ideas, I will directly address them with the superintendent, the full service administration, um, the department of nutrition, so the concerns can directly be heard by those who can make changes. And if they agree, then all they have to do is contact their bosses or uh, supervisor in, in Albany, um, which are the assistant deputy commissioners. And they can make changes in the facility based on that because they get allowed the superintendents to run their facility how they see fit. So if a superintendent saw fit that it was needed to make menu adjustments, then they can start at that facility first as a pilot project to start there. And if it's successful under maybe like 90 days, then they would suggest that they make a lateral move and allow all of the facilities to do the same thing. So once you tell these men this is what you plan on doing, there sometimes there are other men who want to run for office as well. They want to do the same thing and say, well, I think I'm most suitable to raise these issues. And so what you do is you have your name placed in the ballot that is uh, conducted by the administration. And what they do is they oversee the process and wh- whichever of the offenders work to win the election, they will become elected as a representative of that, house, that that housing unit for six months. They can only run consecutive terms, um, one year being maximum, then you have to mandatory tick off six months. So you can run for two terms, which is a one full year. And so I got involved because the problems impacted me personally Some of the men who I spoke with, that I befriended, it impacted them. So I I took it as that someone who needed to communicate effectively to the administration, I felt that I was in a position to have a desire to want to express the concerns in a respectful manner and hope that it would change. And most of the time, I, I got pretty good results. Sometimes I got no results. most time I got pretty good results. I was um, very efficient and effective in communicating and getting things um getting things done with their support the administration's support and showing them you know the pros and cons of how the meal is how essential and important it is.
0: That's amazing. Can you um give an example if you remember of a time like what was something specifically that you had asked for that they I didn't like either shot down or ignored Yes, we have. We
1: wanted to order uh, more. We wanted more. We wanted more fruits and vegetables on the menu. Cause you may see a banana like once, once a week or once every two weeks. You you always see apples every day. You will see an orange once a week. We wanted to increase the amount of oranges to increase the amount of bananas on every menu. And they said no, that it, it costs too much money so we in turn said well we can pay for it we can take the money that we use from the ma liaison committee and we can purchase from the wholesale dealers and buy these products that way we can increase the menu to have more fresh fruits and vegetables even salad
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they said that they said no that it was not uh, our duty to take care of feeding the population or making menus out, it was for central office, which meant that central office is the commissioner who was appointed by the governor and the commissioner has his assistant deputy commissioners who oversee or each facility under a position of being assistant commissioner. So the one who would actually run that department would be the assistant deputy commissioner of administration or food service. These are direct bosses who can say to the commissioner, "This is what we believe should be a change." And if they agree, then they will change. It. But if they don't agree, then it doesn't doesn't fly. So to increase the fruits and vegetables, they didn't want to do it.
0: So what were some resources you used to have the knowledge about like the manufacturing, so that you could kind of use it as a rebuttal to say, "Well, we can actually find it an affordable way to have these healthy food products." inside the walls
1: um commissary they use vendors the commissaries they would sell bananas sometimes they would sell onions and the same vendor that sells onions will also sell bananas and so when we met with the the commissary supervisor we would ask about the contracts about the vendors can they find vendors that can supply a high demand of fruits and vegetables and we find out that yes they can but because the shelf life they said was so short yeah. for bananas and for oranges that they didn't want to take the risk of ordering it. Mm-hmm. They said as, they said as an alternative they said what you can do is you can pre-order the, the supplies, but and pre-ordering it means that a group would have to do it as a fundraiser. So if you go into the commissary twice a month, that's two times a month you're gonna you're gonna be able to use your own funds from your account to purchase these items so they said that well if the product comes in on a monday and one group of two or three groups shop and they still have supply left over but everybody has shopped already what happens to those bananas that haven't been sold what happens if it's too ripe no one wants to buy it so there were a lot of issues with that so we said well, buy them green and then when you buy them green it was issue of they couldn't get enough. Or there was an issue with the gas. So they always had, a, it always had a comeback. It was a constant just going back and forth, like paying tenants. But sometimes you would get someplace, sometimes it, it worked better in lower classification facilities because the security is more lax. Um, generally speaking, the max A, they were not really, they weren't against it. They are mostly, they had a mindset of penalizing the population because a, a mass facility is a lot more violence there. A lot more assaults that happened was all on violence. And so because of that, they take a stance that we're not going to do anything for this population because they have a tendency to have a high rate of violence and contraband. And because of that, they didn't want to feel like they were giving the population a reward for bad behavior. So because of the general bad behavior, they took it upon themselves and say, we're not going to do anything to support uh, any endeavors until we see changes within the population. So it was that kind of position that some of them would take.
0: Got it. And then could you give me an example of a time that you had success just so we can think of a more positive example?
1: Uh, yes, um, food service administration, um, dietitian, or nut- department nutrition. They would they would come and they would ask about. We speak about the level of majority of the men who have hypertension, who have diabetes, and we found out that it was a high number of, of men and who had these issues. So we said, well, if we can't supply. A lot of the food. Let's get some some products that are seasoning products that are healthy, like cinnamon,
0: yeah,
1: oatmeal, like raw raw oats and oatmeal, cereal that's heart healthy. And let's get it for affordable prices. And they say yes, this is a great idea because the cinnamon is one thing that helps. It lowers blood sugar. It lowers um, hypertension, high blood pressure. It supports that, and. So does the, the raw oats. They all support it. So we had got a lot of good responses from them. They, everybody agreed is a good idea. So for the first time, for a product that was considered to be a Class A tool, which means that it can only be used under strict supervision of security and food service administration, not everyone had access to buying this at an affordable price in the commissary. And because we can find oats and oatmeal that's raw and affordable, you also can use the cinnamon as an additive to it to make it taste better, but also give a natural and good stimulating effect on health.
0: That's amazing.
1: So this was this was a plus.
0: Um. And then also you spoke a lot about the prepared foods that you were offered, for example, rice, different forms of protein. It's- but I was curious, do they? Do the food services ever offer, instead of a whole meal, like very processed foods, like a bag of chips instead? Because I know that that could be very harmful for health, but often it's a lot cheaper. So I was just wondering if that was ever an experience you had.
1: Yes, they do offer like um, a bag of chips. But the bag of chips is maybe like actually three or four chips in a bag. And it's a very small very small bag. One of the smallest bags you see in the market today still that sells to market, the same bag, only three or four chips in it. You may see that probably once a week or on special holidays, like the 4th of July, when they want to do a brunch, you want to put two meals in one, so they'll give you like cold cuts, like bologna, two slices of American cheese, applesauce, and probably uh, three bean salad, which is kidney bean. Um, chickpeas and some other string stringy all mixed up. They would have this as a as a vegetable. So it's done. It's really done like that, and it's really it's a waste of money.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. So on holidays, they would combine meals and call it brunch. But did yes. um individuals peers of yours feel as if that's them kind of? creating a loophole so that they could spend less money and pretend that this is something that people should be grateful for?
1: Um, No, because when it comes to the money and the budgeting, the only reason, the only way it would impact the budget if they were not using, if they were given like $70,000 to purchase food for this, let's say for the week or for the month. Because in food service administration, when you're on the committee, you get a chance to see the contracts, the money's being spent. So let's say, generally speaking, you spend seventy thousand. Um, to food service, the food the full service spends seventy thousand a month, and they happen to only spend fifty thousand. So when it comes time for the budget, the next year they're gonna say, "Listen, we noticed that in your budget you spent fifty instead of seventy. So therefore, we're going to scale back the remaining." 20 Because we said you didn't use it, it's surplus now. So, because you don't need it, you demonstrated that it wasn't used for a month, we're going to reduce the amount of money you're giving. And when this happens, you see the rations and the portion size, you see them a bit smaller, or you see them less. It's
0: horrible. Um, mm-hmm. And then finally, just my last question is. Currently, are you doing any, are you still involved in food justice, specifically with incarcerated individuals? Is there anything that any initiatives you're still working on today?
1: No, um, right now, what I'm doing, I took it to another level, what I'm doing is human services. And human services allows me to impact a broader scale. not just only food or visitation, or human rights for men and women who are in those places of incarceration. But it also speaks volumes to those who are out in society who have the least amount of resources. Mm -hmm. Um, Social justice is one of the formats, you can call that. Um, It's my major in college and also um, is human services slash mental health. So with this approach, I'm able to look at a broader scale and be able to communicate directly with a lot of different individuals, which I have in the past. Like with Men O'Donnell, who is the 67th district. He also, for several and many years, was he was the commissioner. uh, He was the the chairman on um, crime and committee. And so I've had opportunities to not only deal with him as an inmate liaison committee member. But um, once being re-released, I was also able to go to his office, meet him personally, and just bring up some of the conversations we had many years ago. But also, on this level, be able to speak to him under umbrella of human services and some of the things that are needed, like some of the buildings that are abandoned and how like men and women may need, perhaps need shelter in a stable environment, because that's one of the things that they're impacted by is housing or medical so that's my approach that i'm taking now um it's it's stronger and it's more hands-on than the limited amount of time that you can spend for six months or one year as someone that's inside there on a committee i have an opportunity now i have a i have i have, I have access to a lot of information whether it's from uh, my professors and doctors in, in school or directly deal with community members like Eric Adams, or Helen Weinstein, or members of society like that. These pillars of society now, they can hear the concerns, or like SOS, which is the pro prep, with Michelle Owen, attorney Michelle Lowen, Anthony Dixon. These groups in RTA has given us uh, a platform that when the moment comes to speak about these matters, it can be addressed. Like now, we're speaking about um, food service, and the different levels of how the quality of food or the inequality of food is being looked at and how it's being overlooked. So just being a member is still about rehabilitation, under rehabilitation through the arts, which is RTA, and other committees that deal more or less um, on dealing with the community members and leaders also as pro prep. I get a better understanding to use both, use my experience while I was there and use my experience now as a, as a college, the sophomore in college, to bring them both, bring both worlds together and speak of the experience that is needed to express to people who may not know or have an understanding that is not quite clear.
0: Mm-hmm. John, when did you come home?
1: March, 2019.
0: 2019, and which facility were you at?
1: Uh, Green Haven, Otisville, being uh, you know, Otisville, it to being you know, Otisville, Rackers Island, uh, what's other place called? Uh, um, uh, Napa, Napa. Okay. So, you're you're over you're you're, old, you're
0: just over two years home now, yes. Well, I I, think you're doing yes. remarkably, remarkably
1: well. I would say I'm doing the best I can, you know, faced with the challenge of technology, and <laughs> different things like that. I try to navigate as best I can. Sometimes I'm a, I'm slow with others, but eventually I'm making progress, making one step, you know, one, the journey of one mile begins one step. So I think I'm making some kind of step.
0: It sure does. Yeah. Tell Lexi what. Um, tell Lexi what degree and program you're
1: going for. What are you studying now, John? Yes, I'm studying uh, human services and mental health. And I'm a sophomore in college right now. It's remarkably. It's remarkably impressive that I'm. I'm doing well as I am for someone who returned back to school many, 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 many years later. <laughs> you know, my GPA is 3.46.
0: Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I really appreciated everything you said. It was so valuable. And this experience was just great.
1: Anytime. Thank you.
0: Thank you guys for taking the time to listen. I hope you enjoyed. Bye.